afraid to tell it like it is. A very smart cookie. The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Hey, everybody, thank you and welcome to the show today. I'm Andy Griffin. Great to be here. A windy day today, but that's the way things go. Going to cool things down a little bit, so we're not going to complain. Uh, it is Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show, and I, a mayor. A new mayor, as a matter of fact, on the program today. Keen Ellsworth is with me. Keen is the mayor of Tokerville. Keen, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. We had your predecessor on uh, a few months ago. I honestly don't remember how long. It's been at least six months, but uh, uh, Lynn Chamberlain came on and talked about what's going to happen out in Tokerville and the, the tremendous growth and I guess uh, made, uh, I don't know if made uh, possible by the new reservoir coming in, but certainly made a lot easier with the new reservoir coming in. Uh, So we want to talk about that and some of the things that are happening in that part of the hurricane area at Tokerville. Laverkin's kind of stuck in the middle there, but let's talk about you a little bit first, Keen. Tell us about yourself. Uh, uh, I know you have, uh, is it seven children? Is that right? I do, yes. Seven children. Right now I have six grandchildren as well. All right. Way to go. Yeah, Congratulations yeah, on that. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of fun. Where are your kids all located? Are they in the Vegas area? Or? No, no. They're scattered. Uh, oh. I have a, a daughter um, with two children. Uh, she and her husband live in, in Michigan. Oh, wow. Um, I have another daughter uh, and her husband and son live, they just moved to uh, North Carolina. Uh, then I have a son and uh, and his wife. When they have uh, two daughters, they live in um, Cedar City. Okay. And then everyone else is kind of have another daughter that lives up in Salt Lake City. And then do you have any um, left at home? I have one daughter left at home. Oh. Yes, the 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 baby of the group. Not quite empty nest. No, but she's a senior. So okay. uh, and if she has. If anyone's ever had senioritis, it is her. She's. <laughs> I had a pretty bad keen. Yeah, did you? Well, maybe maybe it's worse than. But uh, <laughs> no, she's doing great, and I, I'm proud of her, and I'm proud of all my children. They're they're all great. I have one that lives right here in St. George as well, and everybody's. I feel very fortunate. I have a daughter who is 18 as well, a senior. Uh, although she graduated early and has been up in Cedar City going to school. Ah, uh, so SUU. She, she wanted to get it. Yeah, she wanted to get a head start on education <laughs> and everything. So. Uh, One of those overachievers, huh? Yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it was just to get away from mom and dad. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's that's an overachiever too. Then. So we're empty nesters <laughs> a little early. Well, congratulations to you. Well. Yeah, I look I look very much forward to it. It's uh, and and this is nothing against my wife, but it's a weird thing to come home and not have to worry about what the kids are doing or who needs to go where or what's what's going on. You come home and it's like. Oh, it's just us. I mean, it's great. I was going to say, that sounds wonderful. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love uh, Our house is frequently very busy and loud, but I love it when I come home and it's just quiet and peaceful. So how long have you been in Tokersville, King? So we, I've been in Tokersville about uh, 12 years. We're going on 13 years now. Yeah, okay. I moved there um, uh, because, you know what, it, it's a strange thing. We, we, my wife and I just happened to be driving through. Uh, mm-hmm. We used to have... a a place up on Cedar Mountain, and we decided to take a different route yeah. um, and drove through Togerville, and we both loved it, just fell in love with the, the feel and with the looks, and we just thought, and this is a great place. Little did we know that within about two years, we would be moving there. Yeah, craziness. Uh, you, uh, where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh... So I grew up in southern Arizona, 
Okay. Um, a little a little farming ranching community. My father uh, ran cattle and farmed mm. potatoes and cotton. Uh, that's so, what I so you knew. You ride a horse. I, I do, and, <laughs> and I know how to rope as well, right? right? I won't say I'm very good at it anymore, but <laughs> I certainly roped when I was uh, growing up there. Uh, the town there was called Creek. Back then, it was a tiny little place, much mm-hmm. like Tokerville is today. Is it close to something we would recognize? Uh, I don't Mesa, know. Gilbert, oh, oh, Chandler. Okay. Yeah, I went to Chandler to High School. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of the southeast corner of that Phoenix Valley. Okay, very cool. And uh, education, you're, you're, a, you're an attorney, correct? Okay, we agreed that you weren't going to say that on the radio, but no, I'm joking. Of course, yes, yes, I'm an attorney. Uh, I'm licensed to practice law in Nevada and Arizona. I don't practice in Utah. Okay. Uh, I live in Utah, uh, uh, but it's, a, it's, a, it's been a great career for me, and I thoroughly enjoy it, and it's a, it's a good thing. You know, there's, I do a lot of litigation, um, and there's a part of me that loves that. There's another part of me that, uh, you know, uh, it's a, it's always adversarial, and yeah. and I I enjoy, I like to be a peacemaker. I like to be one that puts deals together and moves forward, and not fighting over the past. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm the same way. I'm kind of a peacemaker, so the confrontation isn't for me. Although I will say this, I love to win, and I'm sure you as know an what? attorney, you love to win. You love to win, and you hate to lose. <laughs> That's very true. Well, there you go. If you want to, if you if you're a competitive person, perhaps being a lawyer might be for you someday. If anybody <laughs> out there listening, thinking about what they want to do, you have to put living. on a thick skin too, because you get called a lot of <laughs> bad things <laughs> that are absolutely <laughs> not true, but they people do it anyway because they look for someone to blame for their hardships, and you got to be able to take it. So you've been there. You said about twelve years with the family, or did they join you a little bit later? Or no, no, with the family. So we moved raised, there. In in some in some ways, you raised most of your kids there. We, we did, as a matter of fact. Okay. Um, uh, we had two that graduated from high school in in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Then uh, the rest have all graduated from Hurricane High School. Oh, very cool. Well, one more to graduate within a couple of months. But now there's some Ellsworths in in this area. Are you related to them? The Ellsworth name is relatively uncommon. So, so yes, but it's distant. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't reached out to all of them. I've reached out to a couple of them um, to figure out where the connections were. But, but yeah, and, and there always seems to be a connection not too far back. It's usually yeah. fourth or fifth cousins at, at most, but somewhere in that range. Well, tell me about Tokersville. It's funny. You talk about falling in love with Tokersville. You drove through. You fell in love with what it was. Tokerville right now is is on the cusp of a lot of big big change. Does that mean that Keen and Sunny Ellsworth are going to fall out of love with Tokerville, or <laughs> are you going to try to manage it in such a way as mayor so you can still be in love with it? That that is a great way to put it, <laughs> and the answer is the the latter. We, I mean, I I've mentioned this before. If if I could wave a magic wand and and stop the growth, I would mm-hmm. um, because. I love the small town feel. I love the small town environment. Um, I love it being quiet, uh, but but that's not really. It, we would be naive to think that we could do that. Yeah. Um, it's just its growth is coming, and and you can see it. It's it's like the wave of a sea. You see the wave coming, and <laughs> and if you don't prepare for it, it'll just knock you over. Yeah. And, and that's what's happening. You, you, we see it in Washington City. And you see it in Hurricane. It's just that wave is moving north, and and we're next in line, and 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 many are already there, staking their claim to the growth that they want to see happen. And so, we in Tokerville are doing our best to to manage it and to you know to keep it 
on track with what we feel is appropriate and acceptable under the circumstances, right? Yeah, well, in, in the Western United States, we value uh, property owners. And, and being a, I own land, I should be able to do within reason what I want with my land. And and so when I talk to every mayor keen about this, it's like, well, you want to stop growth, right? And they're like, well, it would be nice, but I can't tell people they can't use their own land that they paid for and they own. And that's, I guess, one of the things you run into when you're a leader of a city. Yes, but there is much you can do, yeah. right? I mean, there's there's much to be done by way of, of making sure that um, oh, that the city codes are up to date and mm-hmm. take into consideration the new types of development. For, for example, Tokerville's code did not have any reference to any type of a, um, um, a marijuana facility or a cannabis facility, um, n- nor was there any mention of anything um, uh, to to uh, uh, cigarette sales or things like that, uh, which, you know, again, those are private industries, and, and as long as it's a, a legal industry within the state of Nevada, well, we were really not going to stop it, but what we can do is is adopt ordinances to encourage it to be in certain locations that are more compatible with the city and with the residents. Hmm. And that's the, what we're doing. The... Um one of the things that I thought was really cool, and, and I know you do, I don't know if the right word is a bypass, but you managed to, in Tokerville, keep the main part of, of old Tokerville the way it was, by the way, by way of getting the main road that's going to have all these people coming uh, around the old part of Tokerville. Uh, tell us how that all came about, and, and, and if you had anything to do with that. So... And, and you're right. That bypass road is really important to us um, uh, for multiple reasons. Mainly, though, mainly to prevent us from being overrun. Mm-hmm. So, so historically, SR17 goes right down through Tokerville, and but it was never meant to handle the traffic load right. that it sees today. Right. So we worked diligently with um, uh, state officials and with private parties to come up with a way to fund a, this bypass road. Uh, now, the, the was discussed long before I ever came to Tocqueville. In fact, it was discussed when I was only about three or four years old. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah we found some paperwork that shows that back in, in 1969 was the first time the citizens of Tocqueville had written to the state about a, a road to, uh, to, go, to bypass the old town of Tocqueville. Hmm. Well, it's finally happening. Right. Um, and so uh, uh, did I have involvement? A- absolutely. In, in the last four or five years, um, because because when, when I, I, I got, was on the city council first for about, uh, let's say I was on the city council for six years. During that tenure, um, I had conversations with UDOT. And and one of the representatives from UDOT told me very clearly, Keen, UDOT's not going to build you a road. Hmm. <laughs> We would rather take SR-17, where it is right now in downtown Togerville, and expand it out to five lanes. Oh, boy. Then we would build a new houses. Yes, and that's what it would do, right? And that's when everything changed for me. That's when I thought, oh, wait a minute. That is absolutely unacceptable for 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 us that live in that area, right? I mean, yeah. we're talking, by the way, on that route, there's about 70 driveways, okay? So that's a lot of people, and mm-hmm. that's just not something we wanted to have. And that's when, that's when I finally became a believer that the bypass road 
is our better alternative, hmm. right? I mean, uh, uh, we don't want to lose the downtown feel that we have. So that's when I, I saw what others were already had started many years ago and, and picked up the, the effort with them. And I shouldn't say picked up, I should say joined with them in that effort to get that road funded and built. And so right now, we've, I'm really, I really appreciate the efforts of private parties and of um, the state of Utah because now that is about 95% of it's funded and they are out there moving dirt as we speak. And I'm speak. excited to see it get done. Um, do, do you feel like that it's mission accomplished as far as being able to preserve what was there? Is, or is it still going to affect what's happening? Is what's happening going to affect old Tokerville? So I don't want to say that mission accomplished, that it'll never, that t- old town Tokerville will never change. It will change. Mm-hmm. Change is inevitable. There's change always. Right. But mission accomplished as to slowing that down and protecting the old time Tokerville and protecting mm-hmm. our, our quiet area right uh, now we can have we have a parade every year now we can put it back on srs well the old sr 17 we put it back on our main street yeah. where before we had to move it off onto a side street because you know it was just too busy of a road it was just too busy too many vehicles yeah. so yes i'm very happy about that we will slow down that growth as it affects old town tokerville um but it's it's not going to stop change it's just going to Slow it down, and this will slow it down significantly for the downtown. I, you know, I'm I'm comfortable that in the next 20 years, um, we're not going to see the kind of change we otherwise would have seen. Yeah. We'll still see a little bit, but not like it was on the bypass road. However, that's where we're going to see significant growth. Well, and and I didn't. I guess I realized this, but never thought about it. How much commercial there is there right now in Tokerville, Utah? Zero. That would be zero, folks. Zero. No, there's no gas station. There's no, no grocery store. No. There's nothing. No restaurants even. No. Uh, so when you talk about change. Hey, hey, we do effect. have a post office. So, okay. all right, and that's not retail, but we got something there, and I love our post office. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, so, when, when Keen, when you're talking about change and, and up on where the bypass is going to be, I assume that, you know, I mean, when you build something like that, commercial wants to come, and there's going to be, you know, a Maverick or a Terribles or whatever. It's, it's going to come. It is, and, and in fact, um, we already have one um, a travel center a group that has purchased land already, and they intend to break ground, if not by the end of this year, certainly next year, um, and that is SAP Brothers, uh, S-A-P-P. Hmm. They're a, a, a travel center group, great establishment, great kind people. Kind like a flying J type? Sort of, but very, yes, yes, but, and they're mainly along... Um, um, particularly in the Midwest. Okay. Um, well, what we describe as the Midwest, right? Nebraska yeah. and Missouri, in that area. <laughs> That's the Midwest to me. But, yes. Uh, yeah. I have a daughter that lives in Michigan, and she, she says, no, they're the Midwest, yeah. right? But anyway, they, they're, they're <laughs> going to be here, and they, they're a fine establishment. I'm very excited about that. Um, that'll be a, a good step forward. Awesome. Uh, yeah, big changes coming. Maybe if you could take a timeline through uh, some things, Keen. Uh, you said they're already moving dirt on the bypass road. Uh, does that mean we're a year away, uh, six months, two years, three years? What, what does that mean? 
So that means when the contractor finishes, we'll be done, <laughs> right? So the contract so calls true. for, yeah, and, and I say that because, well, anyone who's reasonably familiar with it knows that there are always hiccups along the way. But, but our contract calls for this first leg to be, which is about 95% of the linear distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be done by December 15, and we expect that contractor to, um, to be finished by then. Uh, and he should. And then the last part of that bypass road is a short stretch, but it has. we had to wait on that because it includes a bridge across um, Ash Creek. Oh. But we got approvals for that, and now that will go out to bid hopefully here within the next 30 days. Were there, uh, I hate to even bring it up, were there in EPA environmental uh, hiccups along the way, things you had to approve? And, I mean, you, you know, did you have to move a prairie dog or some turtles? No, or, fortunately, no. we didn't have any of those issues. We were, we were able to get all of the roadway donated by private parties, um, which was very nice. We, and we yeah. really appreciate them having that same uh, perspective, that, that there was a need and they were willing to, to help out with that. Um, and and also, fortunately, there were no. This is known, or it would, there were already been studies done to show that this is not a sensitive habitat. Uh, none of this roadway is. It's hmm. just up in a in a virgin desert area, um, and so there's no rock up, rock up there. Or? Uh, not a lot. No? More okay. sand. A lot okay. of sand and sandstone through there, and that's what you know. They're moving a lot of dirt to get down, so you have a good solid base and don't have the sand that would flow underneath you. So theoretically, the road will be done at the end of the year, theoretically. Uh, well, by, yes, theoretically. <laughs> well, now, about, when I say the road, that's, it's, that's that first contract, right? The, the, the first um, 95%. Then that second contract, I don't, we don't have a deadline on that one yet, and I'm going to okay. guess that it'll probably be, well, it could be um, the same time frame because that's a much shorter distance, so it could be mid-December as well. But, but they've got to build a bridge. Correct. Andy Griffin with you in studio. We uh, had a network crash just now, a little dead air. Not very long, but short uh, little moment of dead air. We've lost a recording of uh, Mayor Keene Ellsworth as well. So we're gonna uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna wing it here for the rest of the program. If you want to call and be a part of the show, you have a topic in mind. We'd love to hear from you. Again, apologize. The recording went down. Our network crashed completely. In fact, it was weird. The whole building like kind of went down for a minute and they're working on getting everything back up uh in the meantime i'm gonna hang with you a little bit seth is on the line seth what's going on my friend well i have a i'm an inventor and a master gardener and a couple hundred other things and i've just come up with a really brilliant business idea for uh tokerville okay and now they're a, a booming metropolis compared to Central. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so they're they got post offices and all kinds of things, but just as a, a new idea that nobody's ever thought of, why don't we grow grapes over there and and make a great big winery and become the biggest winery uh, in the West? Hmm. Wines, a uh, wine in in Utah. This sounds like a mismatch. Brigham Young puts five or six bottles of Tokerville wine in the <laughs> cornerstone of the St. George Temple. Hmm. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I did not know. You gotta that. look in that cornerstone sometimes. See what's in there. 
What, what, and when, uh, have they opened that thing up yet, the cornerstone? Kind of like a time well, capsule? I, I look in there. I have re- remote viewing, and I just, you know, uh, peruse. I go through their read shopping lists and the stuff uh, that Brigham Young brought. Is this uh, through Transcendental Meditation? Oh, yes, all of the above. I'm, I'm a psychic, too, right? So, wow, I did not know but that. But I do know a little bit about history about Tokerville, and it was the largest uh, winery uh, before you got to San Francisco. Hmm. And that Tokerville was famous, and if you drive into town from the south, I guess, uh, on the left is a big stone building, and that was the winery. Okay. Have yeah. you ever noticed that building sitting in the middle of town? Um, you know, I mean, I noticed the church. I'm usually driving, so I don't get to see as much when you're driving as, as a passenger would. So I would say n- not technically, no, I have not. Why don't you just knock on the door and ask for some wine? <laughs> if I want wine, I go to my kids. It's W-H-I-N-E. Yes, exactly. Are we there <laughs> yet, Dad? Um, anyhow, all joking aside, uh, um, probably Tokerville is one of with the best growing season and all that. Brigham Young and the Pioneers, they really uh, selected Tokerville as sort of the wine capital of southern Utah. I did not know that. I, I should have asked that. Keen is gone now. That was actually pre-recorded, but uh, yeah, I'll have to ask him next time I see him. I mean, uh, Mayor Ellsworth about about the whole wine situation there. I hmm. figure attorneys would know it all, you know? <laughs> Most of them do. And even if they don't, they'll fake it, right? Yeah, well, um, there was a, uh, a blind rattlesnake and a blind... Uh, uh, mm, rabbit that met each other in the desert and they got to talking and they said uh, i'm blind i really don't know who i am and both agreed and said why don't we feel one another and figure out who we are okay so the snake says let me go first and feels it out, feels in his big puffy tail big long ears whiskers you know about teeth in the front i know what you are you're a cottontail rabbit ah and so uh, the rabbit says, well, it's my turn. He feel, feels up the, the snake, and he says, uh, slimy body, uh, big fangs, dripping with poison, beady eyes, poor tongue. And he says, I know what you are. You're an attorney. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of my, no, that's good. Thank you, Seth. Appreciate the call. Um, one of my best friends is an attorney, and uh, he actually would not disagree with that. Uh, funny joke. Uh, 9.37 on KDXU. Uh, I'm going to take a couple more calls, but I do want to get to, at some point here in the next 20 minutes, uh, uh, one of my theories on, uh, you know, they they encourage us, uh, all of us on our hosts here in Cherry Creek and soon to be Town Square, by the way, we've been purchased, but um, to have a charity that we believe in, something that we kind of champion and help promote. And uh, for me, it's been suicide prevention. And, and, you know, I've talked about it in the past. Suicide has, uh, you know, touched my life, uh, my family's life at, at some point along the way. Uh, and it, it was the typical uh, person that committed suicide in my family. It wasn't a teenager. 
It wasn't an old person dying soon. It was uh, my brother in his middle age years, basically. And that is, come to find out, that is, and I didn't know this back then, but that is the number one demographic of people who take their own lives is guys in their middle age. In particular, 40 to 49. My brother wasn't quite 40 yet, but um, it, <clears throat> excuse me a second, I got to clear my throat. Um, it was, it was one of those, uh, I, I opening moments and it got me to think of why, why are guys my age, slightly younger than me, why are they taking their own lives? And so I have a couple of theories on that, but let's go to the phone line first and then we'll get to uh, that. Uh, hey, thanks for calling. Who's this? This is Richard. Hey Richard, what's on your mind today? Oh, a lot of things on the subject you just broached. Was your brother married? He was. Uh, he was having some marital difficulties, though. There you go. We won't go any farther with that. But anyway, the mayor of, that was the mayor of Tokerville, right? Yeah, Tokerville. Yep, Keen Ellsworth. Okay, so Seth's question is, why don't they grow grapes? Well, if they did that, they couldn't build 10,000 houses over there. So <laughs> That's that true. Do that. And eat up the land. <laughs> To your real estate guys, I just love it how they do not take any credit for the big crash of 08. Yeah. And just recently, when the loan prices go low, what do they tell you to do? say you can do? You can buy a more expensive house now, right? That's right. That's right. That's their plan. And make them big old payments, you know, but you're not paying a lot in interest. So they need to look at themselves. A lot when it comes to the way the real estate crashed back in 08 because all these people were getting in these big houses. Yeah, the banks were forced to give these loans by one of our presidents passed the law says you have, can't, hell, you got to sell to everyone, basically. Yeah. And yeah. I had a couple of friends who got into way over their head, you know. I just looked at them and says, this is a half a million dollar home, you know, you make as much as I do an hour. What are you doing? Yeah, and you're like, I can't afford that. How can you afford it? And the answer really was, well, they couldn't. They say, we qualify. That's all they say. You know, yeah. We can't make the payment, maybe, but we qualified. Yeah. Have a good day, Andy. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call. You know, that was interesting when uh, they were talking about uh, the loans back in 05, 06, 07, right in there. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's called SESI or something, self uh proclaim some kind of statement of how much you make. They didn't document. They didn't take your income tax return or your paycheck or anything like that. You would go in and meet with a loan officer and he would say, all right, uh, here's a $500,000 house. Your payment is going to be $2,300. Can you afford that? Do you, do you make enough to afford that? And the the of course the consumers like yeah I I I can do that uh, I make enough you know we add all my little things together mowing lawns and uh, whatever uh, freelancing I, yeah I I got this and 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 so the the loan companies would go okay there you go and they would give them the money and uh, it was actually pretty amazing um, that so many loans got through. And uh, and they didn't look at their debt ratio, how much money, how much debt they had versus how much money they make. They didn't look at that back in 2006, 7, 8. 
And that's why we had to crash. And one thing that makes me feel a little bit better about where we're at now is they are all these companies that went under are gone. And all these companies that don't want to go under have new rules and they can't give a loan to someone who can't afford the house. That's the way it should have been all along. But for whatever reason, they lost sight of that. All right, let's go back to the phone line. Hey, thanks for calling. What's on your mind today? Morning, sir. Uh, back in 08 and 09, I lost about half my neighbors because of yeah. the, it was actually the Frank Bill and Nancy Pelosi. So Barney Frank and Nancy Pelosi thought it was terrible that people uh, were marginalized, that they, they couldn't get a house because it was racist, mm-hmm. that um, because for whatever reason, uh, they thought because of skin color, uh, it was an issue. But so what they did was they made a, made so that you get a liar's loan. You go buy your McMansion and you, you really don't qualify for it. You just basically have to put something down and, you know, we'll trust you because, you know, the property is going to be worth it because it keeps going up so much because we've inflated this market because now we've, we've created demand for everybody to get a house. Uh, and, and, you know, so it, it became a situation where all you had to do was sign you to get it. Now the situation is there's not enough inventory for the people who want it. And yeah. now the interest rates are going up so much. Those those people who just bought a house may be in a situation where if the market makes a little correction, they're upside down and underwater in their place. That mm-hmm. becomes a problem. You lead back to your suicide thing. Uh, so, I mean, it, people get in a financial situation where they don't see any other way out. But if you get uh, Congressman Stewart back on again, I think he's in town today. Ask him about his uh, suicide line. Yeah, he created a uh, – yeah. he's trying to get a three-digit line, but he created a – 800 line that's still going through the FCC that for whatever reason the government burns so quickly when it comes to making sure they they can pass ordinances against guns but when it comes to things like you know protecting people and giving them a shot of hey here's a line you can call that maybe there might be somebody there you can talk to that maybe you're going through a spot that you just need somebody to talk to and and here it is and just make it easily accessible I will a couple things on that Uh, there is a 1-800 line it's 273 talk 1-800-273-TALK, a suicide hotline. And you're right, he's working, he's actually already got the bill passed for a hotline. It's going to be 988, and that actually is about a month away from launching. Well, July 16th, I think, is when that launches. So at least there is a little bit of help on the way. Yeah, and sadly it's too late for some, but God, help help us, it may help a couple others. Yeah, it's funny how they got $42 billion through for Ukraine in, what, a week? And what my point? And it take, took a year and a half to get a suicide hotline figured out. So, all right. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 945 on KDX. You'll take a quick break. When I come back, I'll give you my theory on why it is that males age 40 to 49 is by far the number one demographic for those who take their own lives. Hey, good morning to you. We're talking with Troy Paul from the Barbecue Pit Stop. The Barbecue Pit Stop is located at 180 North, 300 East, right behind Napa Auto Parts on the north side of St. George Boulevard. You know, Troy, I've heard you mention Traeger Platinum Dealer. That sounds pretty important. What, what does it mean to be a platinum dealer? Right. So there's they have different levels of dealers, and basically the platinum is their highest level of dealer. What that means is that we offer the best price, the best service and the best selection of Traeger products wow. that you can get anywhere. So nobody's going to beat our price. We have the best prices. If, if you ever find somebody that has a better price on a Traeger in town, uh, we'll match that price. Like we, but it's pretty much never happens. We always have the best <laughs> prices um, for service. 
this is just a peace of mind thing. So if you're buying a Traeger um, from us, if you ever had any issues with it, we're a service dealer, which means that we can fix it. We're authorized. We have authorized technicians, only ones in town and really any of Southern Utah that have authorized technicians that we can fix those problems. Traeger will call us if there's a problem hmm. on how to fix that. And so a lot of peace of mind is knowing that I'm buying it from the guys that can take care of it if there is anything that's wrong with it. And then last product, we have the best product selection. Um, we only offer uh, smokers and products that are going to stand the test of time, which means next year's model isn't going to be different. Um, and there are always going to be accessories available. There's always going to be support that's available and parts. So some places that sell Traegers and they say, well, this is the best one, then you're not going to see that model next year, which means no accessories and you're not going to be able to support it. So if you have a part that goes out, then you'll never be able to replace it. On your own. Only what we have is stuff that we can support top to bottom, so you know it's going to be the best. Awesome. He's Troy from the Barbecue Pit Stop. Again, they're located at 180 North, 300 East, behind Napa Auto Parts, just off of St. George Boulevard. This is the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned for Clay and Buck coming up next. Welcome back. I'm Andy. Had some server problems today, so we get a little live talk instead of a pre-recorded interview. How about that? Okay with that. Uh, tonight, want to invite you out to Vernon Worthen Park for Mike Lee and Chris Stewart, Congressman, Senator. Yeah, these guys are going to be there live and in person, 6 o'clock to 7.30 at Vernon Worthen Park. Connect with Mike Lee and Chris Stewart I'm guessing I don't know the format at all. I, in fact, all I know is what I just told you. Uh, but uh, I'm guessing they'll probably give a little talk, a little speech, or whatever, and uh, then we'll, you know, it'll be one of those uh, where you shake some hands and and maybe ask them a question that's been, maybe maybe been on your mind. That's tonight, six o'clock, Vernon Worthen Park. Supposed to last till about seven thirty. We'll see if we can get uh, get out of there by then. I, I'm planning on going by, although I have to say right up front, and you probably <clears throat> can hear it in my voice, I've got a little little scratch and a little bit under the weather, and I don't want to get anybody else sick. So if this is uh, still going tonight or if it gets worse, and I also have some other some other issues with my leg, I just I don't want to get anybody else sick. I really don't. And so I might actually have to not go tonight if I'm still feeling sick. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. All right, uh, talking a little bit about suicide. It's a tough topic. It hurts to, to talk about it sometimes. It's a... It's a I mean, I, I cited this study before, and I'll cite it again. Uh, back in 1980-something, it was 81 or something like that, they had a room for, full of people. Uh, they were doing uh, surveys and study, and they asked the room full of people, and we're talking 300 people, how many of you know someone that has committed suicide? And there were a handful of hands, maybe five to ten people raised their hand. And uh, if you fast forward it now to 2020, there was another uh, similar study being put together, and they asked people in that room, about 300 people, how many of you know someone that has committed suicide? And almost every hand went up, like all but like eight people raised their hands. And um, so the, the automatic assumption right away was, well, that many more people are committing suicide. It's not true. There, it is up a little bit, but not, not that much. What happened is we've 
started to, I believe, destigmatize suicide to the point where we can talk about it. Back then, in the early 80s, suicide was taboo. You didn't mention it. In fact, there was a strongly held belief that if you talked about suicide, it made people want to commit suicide. That's not true. And so really what happened in that room back in, in 1981 or whenever that was, was uh, it wasn't people who didn't know anyone who had committed suicide. It was people who didn't want to admit that they knew someone or had a loved one that had done that. So one of the efforts put together and reach for hope and, and, uh, and uh, live on Utah.org and uh, Senator, I mean, not Senator, Congressman uh, Chris Stewart uh, is, is trying to put together is, is the idea that we can talk about it. We should talk about it. It's important that we talk about it. not only talk about it, but talk with people and, and let them know that you really care and that it's, you know, it's, it's not worth it. Uh, one of my theories about why it is uh, middle-aged guys are the number one demographic for those who take their own lives uh, goes back to something called the midlife crisis. How many times have you seen a, I don't know, a convertible Porsche or some hot rod Mustang or whatever, and the person behind the wheel has a little touch of gray? I'm talking about their hair, right? Because... A lot of things, right? You get to the, a certain point in my life, you actually have enough money to buy a nice car or to go on that one crazy trip or to <laughs> get a mohawk or whatever it is that, you know, to, to do something that you've never done before. Um, most of us express ourselves that way. Midlife crisis comes, we, we try some things, uh, and you maybe reevaluate your life a little bit. Uh, I think I had mine in my, you know, in my forties when I bought my Mustang convertible and a motorcycle and, and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I mostly got over it. Right. But, uh, in a couple of studies in the, in the, uh, psychiatric magazines, they talk about midlife crisis and how it is easily confused with midlife depression. And they, they, they give some of the some of the reasons we confuse them and some of the reasons to maybe tell them apart. For instance, depression is a diagnosable mood disorder. Uh, midlife crisis is not, <laughs> I mean, you can diagnose it. Oh, we bought a hot rod. Okay. Uh, depression, symptoms can occur at any age, but is uh, definitely something that happens to uh, men quite a bit, uh, undiagnosed quite often because men tend to swallow their feelings. Uh, depression is often caused by a combination of uh, psychological and social factors combined with biological factors. And this is something I never understood. I've been depressed before, but it was uh, the outer kind of depression, the kind of depression that uh, is a mood situation. But for, but for me to try to understand it better, talking with some of my psychologist friends, he said, you know, there's a chemical component to it as well. Usually someone who is truly ha suffering from depression, there's a chemical trigger inside of them. And, and that, that chemical is producing depression. Uh, not just outside factors, but inside factors as well. Uh, treatment of depression, unlike treatment of a midlife crisis, uh, where you might go buy a hot rod or 
I don't know, grow a beard, uh, shave your head, something like that. Uh, treatment of depression may involve medication therapy and lifestyle changes. Um, as I think about my brother and what happened, I think that, I mean, there was problems in his marriage. There was problems in his business. There was problems with his health. They were all factors. They were, you know, I mean, you talk about the three factors for psychological and social. Yeah, he was having some serious issues, but I think there were some chemical things going on there that we don't even understand. Um, my brother had had some surgeries when he was a young, when he was a boy. And uh, his, it seemed like his chemical uh, inside his body, and, and I don't understand enough about this. Maybe we can get a biologist on to explain it better. But his chemicals were never quite right. And uh, we used to not even joke around. We used to be, a sca- be, a, be afraid, be scared when my brother would get that look in his eye. And it's funny, when I, I wasn't there when he uh, killed himself. My mother was. And she said, you know that look he gets? We all were like, oh, yeah, we know that look. She said he got that look in his eye. And to me, that says not only was he incredibly distraught, but there was something chemical going on behind the scenes that we didn't understand and we didn't, we didn't get. And uh, like I said, sadly, and I can talk about it now because it's been 20, uh, 25 years since he did it. But um, it, it is um, something that's real and we need to start to figure out how to address it, especially us guys in our middle age. It's sometimes not a midlife crisis, but a midlife crisis can trigger it. You know, if you, if you have reevaluate your life and you don't like it, and then your chemicals kick in and, and you're depressed, that's when you start thinking, you know, maybe this world, a little George Bailey here, maybe this world would be better off if I had never been born. And unfortunately, we don't have an, an angel to show... <laughs> Show us around like it's a wonderful life on what the world would be like without us. Because I think 99% of us would look at it and go, oh, I guess I do make a difference here and there. I guess, I guess it is a wonderful, wonderful life. Let's see, 9.58 on KDXU. Uh, we've got a cash cruise promotion going on right now. In fact, a week from Saturday is our cruise party. We're going to have free pizza and drinks, and uh, we're going to give away a $1,500 cruise voucher from Morris Columbus Travel, also uh, Larkin uh, and the Keller Williams Group and State Bank of Southern Utah, as well as KDXU. Uh, so proud to be able to give that away, and hopefully one of my uh, loyal listeners will win that. I think we're down to, I think, 12 cabins available uh, and I'll be giving those away tomorrow and all of next week as we get ready for the cash cruise giveaway. Hopefully we'll see you tonight. I'm hoping to go, health permitting, I will be there tonight at Vernon Worthen Park, 6 o'clock with Mike Lee and Chris Stewart, 6 o'clock to 7.30. Until then, and hopefully keep your fingers crossed, I'll be able to get there. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening today.